It is Tuesday, December 28th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who's going to stay up on New Year's Eve just to make sure the old year actually goes away. <laughs> J.P. Shadrick! Did that, did that last year. didn't work either. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. Uh, my name's J.P. Shadrick. We've got a busy couple hours ahead. Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman standing by. We'll recap week number 16 for the final time. We'll look at the Jets and the Jaguars. The reserve COVID-19 list continues to pile up. The Jags added some names earlier in the week, over the weekend, and it's Tuesday. We'll uh, look ahead to week number 17. The Jaguars face the New England Patriots. And then at 5 o'clock, the Jaguars radio network takes over with the Jaguars coaches show. Interim head coach Daryl Bevel will join us. We'll talk through all the things. Uh, let's bring in Jeff Lagerman. Hey, Jeff. Uh, good afternoon. Dude. Hey, what's up? <laughs> it's, uh... it's a lot going on. You know, I think the the everybody could use a, a happy hour drink right about now in Jaguar land. Yeah. Did Did you bring anything? I did not. It's what it Why is. Not? Two and thirteen record. Seven game losing skid. There was a report that um, General Manager Trent Baalke is being retained as the GM, so there's been a lot of reaction to that, of course, on yeah. social media. Yeah, a lot of strong reaction. A lot of reports of names now that are being contacted for potential interviews by Jaguars Brass. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of news out there these days. Yeah, and, uh, and we thought the drama was going to end with the firing of Urban Meyer, but it hasn't. And, uh, and, and, you know, you could actually say that uh, the drama has been added on to over the last two weeks because you played two teams that are not very good football teams that had a major COVID issue as far as their roster goes. And this team couldn't beat either one of them. I mean, that's that's also part of the main story that's going on right now. And that's and that's unfortunate. I really thought that this football team should have beaten the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. I thought that they should have played much better against the Houston Texans and should have beaten them with the number of starters that, that, that they had out. And uh, the one good thing, if there's any consolation to, to these two games, is that Trevor Lawrence, I thought, played pretty well in New York. Uh, I do. And this is the best overall feeling game in a while. Well, yeah, in a while. And his yeah. protection was really good. And the reality is the New York Jets were missing a ton of guys in their back end. So you felt like that it was a game that he should have had some success in. In fact, one of their safeties that was playing in the ball game would had been with the team for less than 48 hours. So you, you would expect a performance like that. So it was good. Look, and when you expect it, you it's good to see. I mean, it's just not good enough just to have it. So um, – so that was a positive. I mean, and that's, and here's the reality: his day could have been even better if his wide receivers would make some plays for him. Fact, can't argue that. I mean, Takes gotta, two to tango. Yeah, yes. you got a you got a drop in the end zone uh, or near the end zone. I think it might have been in the end zone by Treadwell. You've got a, an opportunity by Marvin Jones Jr. to make a play. Uh, drops the ball, uh, there was contact made, but he could have avoided some of that, made the timing of it better by coming back to the ball. He had some just plain drops that were just in their hands that would have been minimal gains, but still it would have raised his completion percentage and, uh, and the overall success of the day. So, And, and, he, and he wasn't perfect, but at least, uh, at least it would have, it would have, you would have had a better kind of showing than what we even saw. 
And then defensively, they gave up 273 rushing yards in the game. 100-yard rusher. Tied for the fourth most Ugh. rushing yards allowed in franchise history, by the way, in a single yeah, game. Yeah, and, and a quarterback that nearly rushed for 100 yards oh. against them, and it was an embarrassing play on the 52-yard touchdown run. Yes. I mean, yes, there's no other way to describe it. I mean, that was that was an embarrassing play. I mean, you, Smooch got him in a pocket. Gotsis gets out of balance in his rush lane. And then Rudy Ford, I have no idea what he was doing there. Uh, when he had an opportunity to push him out of bounds, wingered with a poor effort at the end of the play. Uh, just, a, just a bad job overall. And that's the kind of play that kind of just sticks in your craw. And you go, come on, guys. Got to be better than that. Way better than that. That's the one that sums up everything, I think, the last little while is that one right there. And yeah. the defense oh, as, and a, as a whole had been, has been the group that – had been hanging in there the last few weeks. You know what? Given this team an opportunity, if the offense had been doing anything to stay in some of these games, they were playing okay, but that was not JP, the, they, they gave up well, 273 yards rushing. Yes. Okay, 91. Is it 91 yards 91. by Zach Wilson? Yeah, that's right. Okay, and the New York Jets were missing their tooting, two starting guards. Yes. Vera Tucker and Duvernay, Duvernay Tardif, yep. the, the left and right guard, out and then the the center got hurt in the ball game and they had to do a little bit of shuffling to to their lineup yeah. and oh by the way they didn't have their tight end their starting tight end nor their backup tight end yeah. available in the ball game but yet they rushed for 276 yards or 73 yards whatever it was yeah, that's like, what do you, come on. Well, if it's not for the offense and then it's not for the defense, then you go to special teams. And there were issues there, too. The kickoff return, I, and that was one of a few that went uh, for decent distance. So obviously, that one went for 102 and a touchdown. But it was, it ended up 102, 103. They switched it to 102. 103, they and then they changed it. Okay. Yeah, they switched. It doesn't matter. I mean, the, the, the crazy. <laughs> it's a touchdown. Yeah, does it matter? No. <laughs> But the reality is, and we're looking at it now in front of us, and those that are listening to us through uh, social media channels are seeing it, Braxton Berrios, you knew he's a good player. He's a a Pro Bowl alternate. He was not touched. Nobody within three yards of him. He was not touched for the entire return. And that's disappointing. Somebody tapped his heel in the end zone, I think, at the very end. That doesn't count. (laughs) Okay, in the end zone, it doesn't matter. Technically. Okay. Once he's, once he's in the end zone, he can't be touched and have it count. Okay. But, I mean, that's a, you know, Andre Sisco, not a very good job on that. Okay. A couple other guys, you know, look, you got to be better than that. And that's two weeks in a row that you've given up a kick return for a touchdown. And that's, that's not acceptable at all. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't allow that, especially when you have, safety type players in that situation so that if you do have somebody that can crease you then you have a safety that can can make a play and you got you got to get off a block i mean some of these guys were getting blocked and it wasn't even wasn't even good blocks mm. you know it's just not a not a very good play i can tell you that and here's the reality yeah it doesn't get any easier in the last 2 weeks I can tell you that. Right. And what I mean by that is is that you're not, you're out of the playoff picture. You you don't have a head coach in place for next year. You're you know, right now the the top pick in the next spring's draft and you've got covid going yeah, on. 7,000 covid guys. You've got all this stuff 
that's going on to distract you from being at your best. And, and we talked about this a little bit before the game in New York about how even though you want to be intense and focused and all that kind of stuff and do your job, it's, it's easier said than done. By the way, the uh, Jaguars have just now made an announcement, some more roster moves. Yesterday we saw, what, 10, 11 guys placed on the reserve COVID-19 right. list. Here's the full list that has just come down from Jaguars PR and their announcement on injured reserve Logan Cook, punter on IR now, uh, from Jacksonville's practice squad to the active roster defensive back Brandon Rusnak, signed to the Jags active roster from Buffalo's practice squad tight end Kahale Waring, uh, signed to the practice squad for the Jags, a punter, Joseph Charlton, and defensive end, uh, an outside linebacker, Hercules Mata'afa. And then on three have been placed on the reserve COVID-19 list today. Tight end, Jacob Hollister, defensive tackle, Jay Tufele, and linebacker, Damian Wilson. Those are the moves today for the Jaguars. Wow. So uh, no no players have come off the COVID-19 list today. Not yet, which if uh, if a player is unvaccinated, then it doesn't matter. He's 10 days on COVID regardless if a player is vaccinated. And if he has consecutive tests that are negative, then he can come off. I mean, right now, if you look at it from uh, an offensive standpoint, uh, LaVisca, I consider him a starter and he missed last week's game. Yeah. Uh, he is still on COVID. You have your three interior offensive linemen on COVID list, which is Norwell, Linder, and Barch. Barch missed last week's game. Manhurts, the starting tight end, uh, he's on COVID. Luke Farrell, your backup tight end. Dan Arnold, who was on the, the designated list to come to return. back. Yeah, he was going to return. IR designated to return Jacob Hollister. So now the only tight end that you have on your roster that is not in, on COVID is James O'Shaughnessy. So that's a position much he like – He got the, hurt last week at the end of the game. He did. And much like the Jets got hammered at the safety position from a COVID standpoint and an injury standpoint <laughs> – this, that's the position that right now looks to be a, a problem. And defensively, starter-wise, uh, last week, Calevon Chazon was a starting outside linebacker with, uh, along with uh, Dwan Smoot. So Calevon is now out. Miles Jack was out last week, still on COVID. Devon Hamilton, Damian Wilson, Malcolm Brown. And so if you consider that Calevon is a starter, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, six starters on COVID defensively, wow. if you count Kalevon and Josh yeah, Allen still right. starters. Yep. I mean, that's that's huge. Uh, Josh, reports are that he may be unvaccinated and is going to miss this week regardless. So uh, that's a tough situation to be in. And last year, all these roster rules were put in place to prepare for this. But they don't prepare you for this. No, no, you still got to go figure it out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. They they give you the idea to okay, we can move guys around and this that. You still have to go figure out how well, to do it. You know, offense, the tight end position is one yeah. that uh, that that's hammered. Look at the outside linebacking position on defense. Okay, uh, the only guy that's not on COVID is Smoot because Josh Allen, Renty McRae. Kalevon Chazon and Jordan Smith, who hasn't been active for a game yet this year. He was probably going to be up last week if he wasn't on this list. Probably so. Yeah. And so now you have one guy that's left, and that's Smoot. That outside linebacker. Yeah, and they just who are, they just signed um, to the practice squad one. So 
Hey, get ready, Hercules. You're about to be up there. Well, and you uh, you claimed off a of waiver Jameer Jones, linebacker from the Rams. I don't know if he's inside or outside linebacker. I mean, we he may have to play outside. Just get out there and play. You talk about a, a game plan that would be extremely limited. Extremely. I mean, because you know, I use the example, the Jets played a lot of man coverage, and I think the reason why the Jets played a lot of man coverage in that game is because – it's a hell of a lot easier to understand the rules of man coverage. Once you got a guy, you hey, got a guy. Cover that guy. It's right. cat coverage. I got that cat. Okay. <laughs> and Joe doesn't like that term cat, but it's appropriate in that type of situation. And they actually had a safety, the Jets did, and uh, in his name, okay, because I made a note of it, Will Parks, which is a guy that's been around the league for six years, and then Kai Nakua, these guys were signed literally – within 48 hours of game time, and played. Both of them were active. Nakua was a special teams guy, played, I think, a couple snaps on defense. And then Will Parks played, I think, the entire game on defense, having been in the system less than 48 hours. Can you imagine how sore he was? I mean, off the street now, not like elevated from the practice squad. Well, I can say that he won't feel so bad when the check clears. I know that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I mean, look, it's a great opportunity for guys that don't have a job. That's correct. But, I mean, just think about it. This new variant that's spreading like wildfire that supposedly is not, not very damaging as far as the symptoms go is taking guys out just because, you know, we're, they're testing positive for that. I, I mean, I, at some point you've got to – you you start thinking, okay, do we just not let guys – you know, is it okay to play with a – what the symptoms appear to be very similar to the common cold. I don't know. You know. There's reports today that the Players Association and the league are working on some changes since the CDC made some changes this week. Well, you know, obviously if that comes out in the next couple hours, we'll, we'll get that to you. But who knows, moving ahead. Yeah, by the way, did you watch the Monday night game last night, by the way? The I Saints, did not. Saints had a similar issue. Had some guys down. They had the quarterback yeah, position, They should have had Blake Bortles in there. Ian Book was starting and just getting just – destroyed right all game long and it was just not a great football product especially okay. on a monday night football okay game. but i mean and that and seriously and you're dead on because of the quarterback situation that makes it very apparent just like last year the denver broncos had to have a wide receiver playing quarterback for a game mm-hmm. i mean it's that's not entertaining football mm-hmm. okay but as long as you have the quarterback we saw two games firsthand that were still very entertaining and 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 the teams did a good job the texans and the jets they functioned just fine. Yeah, they figured it out. Against the Jaguars football team, they did. They figured it out. Okay, so and I, and, I, and I saw because of what happened last night, and, and it was that's – that's obviously – and you're right, JP, that's not a good display of football. And in reaction to that, coaches are realizing now that, look, you better start taking some precautions with your quarterback room. And so a lot of teams are – are because they're basically all the protocols and everything, most of them are instituted by the team. For example, the Jaguars, with the number of players that they have, they have intensive protocols in place, and a lot of those are self-administered. And some teams have taken it as far as that they're not getting their quarterbacks in the same room or near each other at all unless it's practice. And even in practice, they're keeping them mm-hmm. separated so that they don't risk exposure so that they don't have what the Jaguars are have happening with outside linebacker and also the tight end position. Yeah, right. You don't want to have that happen to your quarterback room. Carson Wentz went on the list today. 
And he's going to be out this week. And who knows about Yeah, because he's unvaccinated. So and he's been open about that. The Colts are in the playoff. I mean, they're right in the thick of the playoff race. And they he's out for 10 days now. That's right. So he misses this week, and then next week he'll be Question able to go mark. back middle of the next week. We'll see. Um, so there you have it. We'll come back in a moment. We'll uh, get to some of these names that are reportedly being asked by the Jaguars to be interviewed. Some A couple names that are out of the league at the moment that can talk to any time. Uh, and a little later, we'll um, take a look ahead to the New England Patriots in week number 17. The Baptist Health Injury Report as well. The full updated list of COVID-19 for the Jaguars is getting longer by the day. And PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. And it's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. I really feel like every opportunity we've had to come come back and win the game on a two-minute drive or whatever it is, I always feel like we've had that confidence on offense. Um, what was different about this one is just so close. Get down there on the two yards. I mean, we're two yards away, um, and obviously didn't you know didn't execute cleanly there at the end. Um, a lot of stuff to learn from. But the way we put that drive together, the way we stayed on schedule, um, it was great. I mean, even you know Oshad goes down gets hurt, can't do anything about that, lose our last time out for us to just, you know, keep our head in the game and really execute and put ourselves in a situation, get down there. Um, really, I guess, we spike the ball, I don't know, 15 seconds or so on the clock and have an opportunity to get a, a last playoff from the two. I mean, that's all you can ask for. We just, we got to be better executing on the same page and, uh, yeah. There's quarterback Trevor Lawrence after the game. Sunday in New York, and welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman coming up at 5 o'clock on the Jaguars Radio Network. The Jaguars Coaches Show. We'll hear from interim head coach Daryl Bevel and get his thoughts on that Jets game, the COVID-19 situation that continues to add up for the Jaguars. Three more names listed just a few minutes ago, added to the list. Now 18, if you don't count to ETN, so that's 19. Another practice squad player, so that's 20. If you count those, and uh, you know it's going to affect things for the foreseeable few days at least. We'll see what happens if the changes happen. Uh, all that coming up. So uh, yeah, five o'clock. We'll hear from Daryl Bevel and get his early thoughts on the New England Patriots as well. You know, there's uh, all these reports coming out now because the Jaguars can begin reaching out to other teams to ask permission as of eight o'clock this morning. I That's think. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So we already heard, had heard a couple names that were not in the league currently, Doug Peterson and Jim Caldwell, guys who have experience as head coaches in the NFL. But the names you started seeing listed today in reports online, Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles, both of Tampa Bay, the offensive and defensive coordinators respectively. Which I got, I got a lot of respect for, for Todd Bowles. Uh, when, uh, the job that he did, I thought, with the, with the New York Jets, I think uh, he needed more of a chance, more of an opportunity, and he, he needed – they needed some time to get the personnel right, and that I think was a, a an opportunity there lost by the Jets. You just needed to find better personnel because Todd Bowles is a, is as stable, as measured, high quality guy, and the Jets needed that at that time, and they let him go too early. I thought, I, so I like him. I mean, I, there's a, there's a lot. Look, and here's the reality: in a perfect world, you'd like to have an offensive type of guy because, you know, you want to make sure that the offensive system stays consistent with a young Trevor Lawrence, and that's uh, going to be ultra important to whoever that you hire 
but it's not it's not the end all be all. You don't have to have an offensive coach. Uh, there's some really good defensive coordinators out there. Uh, I think that uh, uh, also a good defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus of the Indianapolis Colts, he's, is highly respected. He's on the list. Uh, Todd Bowles is highly respected. I mean, so uh, there's good candidates. You know, the Jim Caldwells and the uh, other offensive guys, uh, the former coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson mm-hmm. is another name that you mentioned there. I mean, these guys that were at at one point viewed as great offensive minds, uh, Jim Caldwell, I think is about 67 years old. Some view that as maybe a little bit of a negative, but I, I wouldn't necessarily view that as a negative because right now you need to get some a nice calming influence and, and some great leadership with the football side of the organization. And and that's imperative. And you gotta, you got to do the right thing this time. And you, you, you made a mistake last year. I guess I say this year because it happened earlier this year that didn't work out, and so you got to get it right. A couple other names that have been reportedly linked to the Jags: Kellen Moore, Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator, and Dan Quinn on the defensive side. Yeah, and Dan Quinn's been there, done that. Defensive guy, head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Kellen Moore, Byron Left, which I would put kind of them in a in a similar boat as far as the, they've both been. They're still young. Uh, offensive coaches, and obviously both played quarterback. Kellen Moore's a little bit younger than Byron. Byron, there's a link to the organization. You know, I don't know how Byron feels about his time here in Jacksonville, but I, I don't know if he would view it as a real positive because things didn't go, I think, as planned with him. But uh, but nonetheless, it would be a different situation with him being a coach. And, and is he ready? You know, I don't know that. I haven't been around Byron much lately, but I, I like Byron as a guy. And uh, and I'm sure he's learned a lot having been with Tom Brady mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. And here's the other reality: Would he want to leave that? I mean, this is a, you're you're talking about an opportunity to continue to coach with the greatest player of all time. Do you leave that to take a job with a franchise that's been losing for a decade? I mean, that's and I'm not saying that to be funny. I mean, that's that's a it's realistic truth question. Truth of the matter, because in theory. Could stick with it until that train has run its uh, track. Well, let me ask you this: If you, if you and still were, have the opportunity, if you were Byron, would you leave the opportunity to coach Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, when when you know that you're still going to have chances down the line? Right. Would you leave that opportunity? It's a, it'd it's, be hard, wouldn't it? It'd be. It could be tough. Yeah. It would be really hard to do that, and uh, and I don't know if there's any player that's ever played the game that you would consider that with. But Tom Brady, that's different. So we'll see. Uh, what, starts... is it, what is it? He just won his 18th division championship. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. <laughs> the Jags have won. 18th. <laughs> Heck, hire Tom Brady to run this team. <laughs> this is what? 20, Make an offer. Is this the 27th season of Jags <laughs> football? He's won 18 division titles? It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, literally. I mean, when I, when I say that, I mean, and when I say that about Byron, about would you leave it? I mean, that's that's in all seriousness. Now that wouldn't. I mean, that's look. And I know there's only 32 jobs and 32 openings, or not even openings, but 32 jobs in the National Football League, and yes. and the and the pay for a head job it's is big. amazing. I get all that, but look, Byron played quarterback in the National Football League. Okay, he made money. Okay, he's been a coach ever since he stopped playing. Byron's bank account is not in need right now as far as immediate need. I'm sure he'd like to be able to put about 
eight or nine million dollars a year into his bank account by being a head coach. But now, like I said, there's also something to be said for the opportunity to be able to co- coach the greatest of all time. And is he really coaching them? He's probably just working with them. I think that's a better and, way to put and it. That's okay too. Absolutely. That's uh, that's good for both sides apparently because it's working out well down in. Yeah, Tampa he's doing these a good days. job. He's, and I like Byron. I mean, I, I I like kind of ever since he was at Marshall, the whole leadership thing that he showed at Marshall. I, I like I like that about him. You know what I do like about this whole thing is that it does start two weeks earlier than normal. They changed that rule at the owners' meeting. Well, look, just I mean, a week the, the so JP, ago. the rules. I don't care what the rules said. That stuff started long <laughs> before the two-week rule right. has been instituted. Okay. I mean, and I guarantee you that phone calls have already been made around the league for the openings that have been open. I mean, that's just that's just natural. I mean, uh, look, who's to say that agents can't talk? Well, you know, hey, look, you know, we're just having a friendly conversation here, JP. You know, talking ball. You own a football team, talking and, ball. you know, look, I, I'm a coach, and, you know, and talk to my agent. Yeah, well, we could, we could probably work something. I mean, that's, that, hap- that stuff happens all the time. It's like free agency tampering, and they have this legal tampering period. Yeah, two days. Got okay, two so days. now what they do is they oh, wow. actually they, – they violate the, the 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 legal tampering period to tamper before that, you know. So I mean, it's just look. I mean, people talk, and that's not going to change. We'll uh, come back in just a moment. We're going to look forward, Logs, to a trip to Foxborough, where yeah, the Jags I'm look, have I'm never won. To that can't wait. Jags have never won there. Yeah, just like I was looking forward to my trip on Christmas Day to go to New York, and then the day after Christmas to sit in an airport for about. Five or six hours. Well, we'll yeah, come back fun. and talk ball when we return. <laughs> the New England Patriots and the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up. Of course, at 5 o'clock, it's the Jaguars Coaches Show. We'll hear from interim head coach Gerald Bevel ahead of that game against New England. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by TIAA Bank. Turn potential into progress. And by Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. Yeah, we just didn't line up correctly at the beginning, um, and then you know we had we had a motion that went along with it, and the, you know the once you know once uh, our, we weren't all set, we were we were down the clock a little bit, so we were trying to move the guy that was in motion, and we never all fully got set. So um, you know, not something that, that should happen at that moment in the game, and uh, something we got to get corrected. That's Daryl Bevel yesterday. Recapping the final play for the Jaguars offense and the loss to the Jets and a legal shift. And the game was over. And welcome back to Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman coming up at 5 o'clock. More from Daryl Bevel, interim head coach, on the Jaguars Coaches Show. We'll break down that Jets game some more. The COVID-19 additions. We'll uh, have the full list coming up in just a moment. But we'll uh, hear from uh, Daryl and what that does for the organization and uh, preparation and just meetings and everything in general has uh, been shaken up this week around the Jaguars organization. Uh, all that's coming up in just a little bit. This week, though, Logs, week 17. Shake it off and get ready because you're headed to Foxborough. It's the last week of the season, 17. No, no, no. Two more to go. <sighs> this is the final road trip, uh, and it's Gillette Stadium. Foxborough against the Patriots team fighting for playoffs and what's the weather a whole forecast? Lot more it is. That's a good question <laughs> because really we got question. we got really lucky this past weekend in New York. It was it was absolutely beautiful. I mean, it was a little little cool, but for New York standards, uh, pretty decent. And the wind wasn't even terribly bad either, because typically coming across the swamps of New Jersey, that wind can roll. Yeah. It picked up a little bit. You could probably hear of people that were watching on television when the mic when the mic was turned on by 
the uh, head official, you could hear a oh, little bit of that was, wind whipping into it. Yeah. But uh, but for the most part, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better day. So we're looking at 60% chance of rain and a high of 55 Sunday at Gillette Stadium. Uh, 80% chance of rain Saturday, so you never know. That could shift a little round, around a little bit. But in the mid-50s. Yeah, I, I do know that we uh, we are – I think the entire East Coast was expecting a little bit of a frontal system to come down, cool things off at the beginning part of next week. And so I'm sure that that's part of some of the same thing that – We'll be going through up there. But, yeah. yes, if, if it's in the 50s and rain, that's miserable. That's oh. like the worst thing you can play in is rain. Low of 29 that day. Uh, the next day, the high is 31, low of 19. That's the so front. There's right, the there front. it is. That's there the front. Yep. Uh, uh, Doppler logs here. Weatherman. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm a weatherman. You are. Uh, so, the Patriots, let's start with their defense. This is a defense that's among the best groups in all the NFL statistically. They are third in total defense, third in passing defense. Uh, they have a couple of guys that are going to the Pro Bowl, a corner in J.C. Jackson and Matt Judon who can rush the passer. But, uh, you know, they kind of spread the wealth. There's a lot of guys that can play – their part in this defense. Yeah, who, who they've got some guys. Do they have got guys on COVID too? Yeah, Judon's on the Judon's list. On? I'll have to check the rest of the list. I'm right, just kind of curious because I mean the guys that really have stood out from from what I have watched so far. J.C. Jackson's obviously a really good player, uh, fourth year player out of Maryland. Uh, Judon is uh, is a beast. I mean, whoever has to block him is going to have their hands full. I really and for years, Dante Hightower has been an excellent player. He's a big kind of a thumper. In the middle, uh, Juwan Bentley, I think, is a very active player. And so they've got some good players, and they've got some guys that fill some roles like Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Guy, Godshaw, and then the rookie, uh, Christian Barmore, obviously an Alabama guy. JP, you know him. Yeah. You know, but uh, McCourty in the back end has been there forever. Uh, they've got a really good unit overall, and the crazy thing is they spent a ton of money in free agency on the offensive side of the ball, a little bit of money on the defensive side of the ball, and they do a great job. And they do not have a named defensive coordinator, Mm-mm. which is kind of odd. They have a senior uh, uh, advisor, which is Matt Patricia, who was the uh, longtime defensive coordinator there before he left to go to be the head coach of the Detroit Lions. They supposedly have Steve Belichick, the outside linebackers coach. He's calling plays. And his brother, Brian Belichick, is the safeties coach. Um, so, interesting. I mean, that you don't have a, a named defensive coordinator there. <laughs> Certainly is. By the way, the, uh, the Patriots added Matt Judon and Jawan Bentley to the reserve COVID-19 list. This is yesterday. Ooh. Uh, they joined Ramondre Stevenson, Dietrich Wise, Yasir Durant, and Harvey Lange on the uh, list. So yeah, uh, we've got a handful of guys. Ramondre Stevenson is a talented running back. I mean, he's a really good running back. I like him. Yeah. And then Kendrick Bourne was on the list last week early, missed all three practices, but still played in the game. He tested back in. So they, they've had some issues. It's not as deep as of right now as the Jaguars' issues. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's it seems like it's like it's everywhere now. I mean, how many oh, friends do you know and family that have oh, had it? all over the place. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's definitely different. And thank goodness, uh, for the most part, it's it's not uh, hampering or hammering a lot of people this, this latest strain, you know. I, I don't know, did you, did you have a chance to read – how some of it has impacted the guys, and I'm ta- talking about the Omicron strain, but the other ones. I mean, heck, the Jaguars have. Uh, did you read the story about him this past week? Of course, they signed uh, 
Raquel Armstead. Yeah, Raquel Armstead. Yep. And and yep. I remember yep. last year yep. he was on COVID like the entire year. All season long. And then at one point, um, Doug Marone was like, yeah, I don't expect him. Yeah, he's not going to be yeah. back. And then uh, I guess uh, myocarditis or some it was bad. Yep. inflammation of the heart and all that kind of stuff. Man, it's just good to see him back playing football after after dealing with something like that. Uh, uh, the, the, the latest report, a guy that just came out, because he just got off the COVID list, Allen Robinson, former Jaguar draft pick out of Penn State, had COVID. He said that he lost about 10 pounds. He's not even close, he said, to being back to 100%. You know, so, I mean, it's impacting some of these guys in a, in, a, in a pretty big way. But for the most part, it's not impacting anybody that much. So, so I mean, that's good. Yeah, let's uh, and let's see again um, if the league changes some of the standards to get back. That's kind of the, the work in progress, according to some reports earlier today. The New England offense, Mac Jones, rookie, fifteenth overall pick this past year. He's not really pushing the ball down the field. He's got a high percentage completion hey, he's, percentage. Well, wait a minute, now. I mean, I, I keep hearing people say this, and and look, Mac Jones what about pushed short. He, but he pushes the ball down the field enough. Trust me, okay, because here, here's one way to know. Okay, yards per attempt. Okay, that's typically a great measure of how right. far a player's pushing it down the field. Okay. He's at 7.2. Trevor's at 5.9. So who's pushing the ball down the field? Uh, what's the, the high point in the league, I would wonder? Like, well, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, do my it. point is, is that, you Maybe know, we're, it's not, pretty close. we're not saying that Trevor Lawrence is just checking it down, right? I mean, Oh, they haven't hit a deep ball here all season long. For the most part. But I'm saying that we're not saying that he's just checking it down. I mean, that's the first thing that people kind of want to say about Mac Jones. Well, he's just checking it down, and he's throwing screens and all that. No, he's throwing the ball down the field, too. Turn on the film. The guy's throwing the ball down. Okay. He's not throwing go routes every time. Right. He's not like 40 yards No, he's not line. doing that. Okay, but, good. I mean, it's not like he's – you know, that they put him in this kind of kindergarten-level passing attack. I mean, the guy's, a, the guy's an NFL passer, and he's a good player, and he's accurate. I mean, that's very apparent. He's the top 10 accuracy guy. And, uh, but, I mean, I think that's kind of demeaning to say, oh, he's just a dinker and a dunker. That's, that's, not, he's, that's not him. Uh, and I will say that the Patriots have done a much better job than this team as far as managing their quarterback. First of all, they have a better supporting cast around him. And number two, they have managed the amount of attempts that he's had so far in the season. They have limited his exposure. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and I think that's a, a great way. And when you have – a very good surrounding cast, you can have that ability a little bit more. And, I mean, look at the attempts. I mean, he's had – and has he missed any games this year? I don't think so. Zero. No. Zero. Mm-hmm. Okay. Trevor missed any games? Mm-hmm. Zero. No. Okay. And and obviously with the Patriots winning nine games, I think is what – were they nine games now that they've won? That they have been able to keep a score f- – and with the scores tighter or they're winning, then they have the ability to run the ball a little bit more. But, I mean, just look at it from, a, from a, 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 an attempt standpoint. You know, Mac Jones, 16th in attempts, 461 attempts on the season. Trevor Lawrence has 543. It's a lot. It's a lot more. And that's kind of my point is that, you know, when you manage a young quarterback, you want to kind of limit the exposure that the quarterback has. So you rely more on the running game. You rely more on the controlled passing attack. <laughs> they were forced to rely on the running game three weeks ago in Buffalo, and it which was, was like awesome. Fifty degree or fifty mile an hour winds and awesome. snowing and blowing. Three I mean, attempts they, in that game. Three. He was two or yeah. three passing, and That's I don't awesome. even think he wanted to go three passes. I think. 
Belichick would have run the ball all game. That is awesome. That, that changed a little bit. There's been yeah, a couple I watched, I watched some of that game, and that was, uh, that was <laughs> truly impressive. Yeah. Damian Harris has run the ball. He had three touchdowns last week, over 100 yards. Uh, they've got good a couple players. receivers. Two good backs. Two good they backs. got two tight ends, obviously, and Smith yeah, well, and Hunter Two free Henry. agents. Yeah, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, uh, two good players. Um, I really like their wide receivers. I think that they, they do all the dirty work, and that's the one thing that I think the Patriot wide receivers have always done, and that's kind of always a little bit of a trait of a Bill Belichick offense, is that the wide receivers always do the dirty work. They're good blockers. Um, they're not uh, the Keyshawn Johnson types that say, hey, oh, yeah, i got to get the ball, which, was, which made Randy Moss the one, you know, or the limited amount of time that he had in New England so interesting because that's typically not – what you have with the New England Patriot types of guys, you know, and uh, but I like their wide receivers. I think they they're they're very good. The one guy that they had as a high pick a couple years ago that doesn't get a ton of balls is Harry Enkill. What uh, Enkill Harry, the mm-hmm. wide receiver. He was a first round pick, wasn't he? I believe so. Okay, I like him just because he's a big dude. He doesn't get the ball a lot, but uh, uh, not a ton anyway. But I, I'd like him just as a blocker. He's a big dude too. But Jacoby Myers. Aguilar, I mean, they do a really good job of spreading the ball around with that offense. And and their offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, does a really good job. Now, I'm not a big fan of him as far as you know being a head coach because he hadn't done a very good job. And what happened with the Indianapolis Colts doesn't kind of leave a real positive taste in your mouth about him as a potential head coach. But make no mistake about it, he's a very, very, very sharp offensive mind. Harry, 32nd pick in the first round, 2019. Yeah. So. And big dude. Have you seen him? I mean, he's like 225, he's 30 pounds. Yeah, I mean, big. A human being. So but let him and LaVisca line up. Is, uh, they, the, both of those guys should be these hybrid, wide receiver, H-back. Seriously, I mean, they should both be tight end types, in my opinion. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. No wonder it's the official truck of the NFL and proud partner of your Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll take a look at the injury report, a look around the AFC South when we come back. Then at 5 o'clock, it's the Jaguars Coaches Show with interim head coach Daryl Bevel, and this is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on a Tuesday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Glad you're along with us today. The Jaguars face the New England Patriots coming up in Week 17. Veterans, choose VA for the benefits you've earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Recapping the Jets game, of course. Um, there's all the reports online of Trent Baalke being retained as GM. And then the names of the coaches that have been or are going to be contacted and asked to be interviewed that are around the National Football League currently. A couple of coaches that have uh, already been in the league before who are out currently on that list also. But uh, So a lot, of, a lot of things going on behind the scenes. And then you got football game to get ready for. <laughs> and you've got the, uh, Baptist, COVID. Yeah, the Baptist Health Injury Report. Uh, Baptist Health Changing Healthcare for Good features... So many names on the reserve COVID-19 list, and this is uh, including today. They've added three this afternoon. Jay Tufele added to that list today. 
Um, Jihad Ward, Jihad Damian Wilson, Ward. Right? Yeah, Damian Wilson was added today. Uh, here's the other one. And then uh, Jacob Hollister, tight end, mm-hmm. added today. Josh Allen, Dan Arnold, Ben Barch, Malcolm Brown, Caleb Unchazon, Luke Farrell, Devon Hamilton, Hollister, Miles Jack, Brandon Linder, Chris Manhurts, Laurenti McRae, Andrew Norwell, LaVisca Chenault, Jordan Smith, Jay Tufeli, Jihad Ward, Damian Wilson, uh, Travis Etienne Jr. is also on the list, but obviously he's on IR. There's a practice squad player on the list on the practice squad. So there you have it. That's 20. Uh, not to mention that, hey, guess what? These players are around other folks in the building, too. There's a lot going on right now. So you, so you have 20, and uh, just give people an idea of numbers, okay? That's a 53 active roster. So you got 20 out of 53. You have 16 on your practice squad, which are all eligible to be elevated for a COVID emergency. So uh, as of right now, you've got 16 potential to take care of 20, but it doesn't mean that you have enough to take care of every position. So that's going to be a a challenging situation because on that list, you have an inordinate amount of tight ends and then also outside linebackers. So that's a that's a major concern. Like if you had a, you know, kind of it's if it was sprinkled around your roster, you'd be like, okay, we can we can weather the storm. We got a guy we can, you know, because typically on your practice squad, if you look at the makeup of most teams' practice squads, you have, you know, a couple offensive linemen, a couple defensive linemen. You got a cornerback, you got a safety, you got pretty much a, a, a the 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 uh, the entire mini sample of position groups on the practice squad. And uh, but when you have a position that's been hard hit like tight end and the outside linebacker, it might be difficult to recover, and to the point where you're going to b- bring guys onto your roster from elsewhere. Which they did a little bit of that today. They started in that department at least. They signed from the Buffalo practice squad, Kahale Waring, tight end, um, and then a defensive end and outside linebacker to the practice squad, Hercules Mataafa. You so, sure about that? I, well, I mean, that's. I, I think I got it close. <laughs> <laughs> we got a week to figure it out. So that that's where they are, and we'll, we'll see. As the days move ahead, if the vaccinated players get two negative tests, they can be on the same day, mm-hmm. they can be at the same time, but if they're two separate tests, they come back negative, then they're cleared. Yeah, but I the practice did. starts tomorrow to get ready for the game. Yeah, and here here's the hard part is that you don't know <laughs> – if they're going to clear, I mean, so you have to prepare as if none of these guys are going to clear. And so from a roster management standpoint, you, it's not like, for example, let's say okay, you got, how many did you say on COVID now from the active roster? 18? 18. Okay, yeah. so you got 18. You got 16 guys on the practice squad. Well, if, if you want to add somebody to the active roster, do you have to cut somebody? No, or, or they're on the COVID list. So they're they on the COVID all, list, so they don't count. And then, and then they come back, you got to get rid of the guy I mean, it's just – I mean, how are, how are they going to do that? I mean, here's the thing. I mean, every team – every team has 53 plus 16 plus however many that they have on injured reserve. I mean, that's – I mean, so where are they getting some of these other guys from? <laughs> it's just – because if they're on the street right now, and they've been on the street for a while, yeah, the, the, a, the Saints last yeah. night had a tackle come in the game that had not played in a game since 2017 and was signed like, couple days late ago. in the week. Yeah, a couple days beforehand. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle this. And and this is where your, 
your personnel guys really have to to earn their keep, so to speak, yeah, sure. because that's you got to have a rolodex that's pretty deep, and that's I think that's obviously changed dramatically. I mean, in in the past, you know, if you were thinking about bringing a guy onto your roster, you would bring him in, have him you know work out, and now you're you're bringing guys on, signing guys sight unseen, just because you need the you need the body, you need to be able to play game, and you might end up having. The situation where as offensive coordinator, okay, well, let's say the tight end group is banged up. Guess what? We're playing three wide, baby. Yeah, three true. wide and two backs. Out. Let's week. go. Or uh, you tell one of your backup offensive linemen, study the tight end book because you're playing tight end this week. Right? Walker Little did go out He did route. on the goal line, by the way, yeah, which he, uh, he got no separation whatsoever. I'd be curious. I thought about this yesterday. When was the last time – an NFL game had two different touchdowns by offensive linemen. I don't think it's ever happened, has it? I don't know. I, I, I'd have to – Yeah, that's I, a research project. I don't, I don't know if that's ever happened. And, and There was another one in the league yesterday, too. Lane Johnson scored. Right, right. And, and, and I know that uh, uh, a lot of his teammates were happy for him because he had some mental health issues that he was kind of attending to this year and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, so good for him. What offensive lineman in one week scored every, touchdowns? Look, every offensive lineman wants to catch a pass. The Jaguars tried to get it to Malcolm Brown last week, you know, on a little flat pass, and, and or this past week also against the Jets, and uh, it didn't work out. I mean, it's, uh, I think it's all fine and dandy and it's cute, but at the end of the day, you know, the, they're offensive linemen for a reason. Let's not get carried away. Well, Malcolm Brown, by the way, by the way, paid Malcolm the Price, Malcolm paying, Brown got smoked playing fullback. Yes, you can go out <laughs> for routes and such, but you still have to block occasionally, and he got put on his rear there, end. There was in this play, uh, <laughs> and I, I talked about it in our broadcast. And the Jets have a linebacker, Jared Davis, wears number fifty-two. And if anybody wants to go back and watch the TV copy or whatever copy that they can find. Malcolm Brown was coming downhill, and he's a big defensive tackle, and he weighs. He's listed at uh, what is he listed at? JP, like three ten, right around twenty, that. somewhere in that right range. Three hundred, and he's coming downhill, and Jared Davis came downhill and hit him under the chin, and literally did the what we call the dead roach in the air. He was his back <laughs> was parallel to the ground. And he didn't just get knocked down, he got knocked back and was doing the flying dead roach in the air going backwards. (laughs) (laughs) And you can see him kind of laughing a little bit going back to the sideline because here's the reality. If you haven't gotten your rear end kicked in the the National Football League, then you have not played long enough. I can assure you of that. And Malcolm Brown got – he got crushed. So if you go on uh, Pete Prisco's Twitter, about five tweets down, he's got it. He's got it oh. queued up, and it's uh, lights him up for sure. I felt that one. Let's take a look at the AFC South standings, and yes, it is still a division race. Tennessee can clinch it with a win this week, though. Ten and five record, Indy at nine and six, but they're without the quarterback Carson Wentz. Houston four and eleven. They're on a winning streak all of a sudden. What they, they score? They, how many points this past weekend? Forty something, something ridiculous. Forty one. Yeah, and then the Jaguars are two and thirteen. Now Tennessee, I mean, what, what a great game that they had against San Francisco. And uh, Mike Vrabel, tremendous job. He's doing a really good job, and that's that's the kind of thing you want to find here in Jacksonville. That 
you know, that partnership between general manager, head coach that's going to work. And John Robinson and Mike Vrabel seem to have uh, really good chemistry. Mike Vrabel, I think, is one of one is is the finest young game day coach that there is in the National Football League. I, I really believe that. He's, oh, what do you mean by that? Game day just coach. as far as handling personnel, handling the roster, handling game situations, uh, the timeouts, intentional penalties. Uh, I don't want to, and I'm, I'm not trying to say that he is as good as Belichick, but he reminds I mean, me a little bit of Belichick. Remember where he played? Just while well, he played there, I, know, I understand it, but I mean, he just reminds me because there's there's very few details that he's not prepared for in a game, and that's impressive, and that's what you want in a coach. By the way, put that down as like item number five thousand on the <laughs> list of traits that you want in a head coach. It's a long list, and the Jaguars are going through that, uh, I would guess, as we speak. Coming up in about a minute, the Jaguars Coaches Show. We'll hear from interim head coach Daryl Bevel. I'm curious what he has to say about all this COVID-19 stuff. I mean, this has just turned the organization upside down within the last week since we last spoke on, on last Tuesday. Well, It all changed. It's definitely changed. And, uh, it, you know, when you, when you sign up to be a head coach in the National Football League, you know, you, you know that you're going to have issues to deal with, right? Man. But all of these issues as an interim coach? It's a lot. Wow. I hope they gave him hazard pay. I mean, it's he's earning it. That's <laughs> for sure. I'll say that. Jaguars trying to get it done this week in Foxborough coming up. The Jaguars coaches show with interim head coach Daryl Bevel. Joe Fortunato on the audio. Brent Reber on the video. For Jeff Logan, I'm J.P. Shadrick. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.